Welcome to the Crossways Podcast, a podcast where we talk about how to walk in the way of the cross. I'm your host, Jonathan, and I am so happy that you are here today. This podcast is brought to you by the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ and the Ministry League Network of Podcasts. Today we have a special guest, a familiar guest, uh, Josh, uh, a former co-host of the Crossways Podcast and current co-host or of the Behind the Beards podcast, which is very successful, very successful. And uh, tell us a little bit about that for for the viewers and listeners who maybe don't listen to you guys, who should. Oh, a shameless plug, huh? Yeah, you got to give it a shameless plug. The Behind the Beards podcast is a, a podcast that's designed to help people see behind the curtains of ministry, what goes on in the lives of your ministers and ministry leaders. And we just try to humanize those people that are called to lead churches and let them know that uh, while we may be at a, on a platform uh, on, a, on a weekly basis, uh, we still have the same kind of struggles and things that everyone does. So it gives us a chance to see the human side of ministers. And we really enjoy it. Well, that's fun. Well, that's fun. Well, I'm glad. And, and I know I, I, I've tuned in and uh, I've missed the last couple episodes. Uh, I think this late week we were having um, one of our staff meetings. So I wasn't able to uh, tune in and uh, have to get caught up. Uh, I've always enjoyed uh, you and Aaron always have a, a great topic y'all are talking about. Always have. And when you have a guest on, the guest always has some some pretty good uh, stuff to to, to add, oh, look, Riley says, true statement. I like this, true statement. I guess he's saying that ministers are great people, and uh, that's, that's, what he's, that's what he's echoing. So, uh, Riley, we're glad you're listening. Riley is uh, an awesome guy here at Ninth Avenue, and um, we're happy he's part of our, our family here. Well, today we're, we're kind of, you know, we're missing Matthew, and uh, Matthew is, is, is out today. But um, we're so glad, Josh, that you were able to, to fill in last minute. I, I text, I think, what I texted you last night was at nine, after nine yeah, o'clock. About right. Yeah, and I said, hey, you think you can fill in tomorrow? <laughs> well, and, I was, uh, was going to say no because I got a lot to do today. But then I saw the topic talking about the Spirit and discernment of the Spirit. I was like, oh. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. So, yeah, I'm in. Let's go. And, and, and there, there is a way. There's a reason why. I was thinking of different people, and I was like, I would like to get Josh back on sometime. And I looked at the topic, and I said, oh, this is Josh. This, is, this has Josh's name all over it. Because we've had this discussion before about the importance of listening. You know, how does that work? Because especially in, in the circles that I grew up in, and maybe even the circles – a lot of people grew up in were almost scared to talk about the Holy Spirit for some reason. Uh, and I guess before we kind of, this is part of the importance of, but I guess I wonder why it's become almost so taboo because it's, it shouldn't be taboo. And uh, I think you and I had that conversation earlier about it's complicated, but it's not like we've, we've made it complicated. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'm just kind of wondering how that started. I you know I don't I don't have answers or anything like that. Well, I think it it stems first off from a misunderstanding of what it means to be filled by the Spirit. Um, and I think it's also a reaction like a lot of things that we do 
to move so far away from a group of people that we disagree with that we don't want to be confused for being like them. Um, we see that with a lot of the, you know, the Catholic kinds of habits and practices. A lot of them are good and wholesome, but we have moved so far away from them because we don't want to be kind of in that same vein. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that happened with the Holy Spirit as well, that we don't want to be confused with people who have a different view on the way the Spirit works than we do. And we've gone so far to the other extreme that we've almost um, ignored or abandoned the way the Spirit actually works. And because we haven't taken the time to really uh, understand how the Spirit moves, how the Spirit speaks, and what it actually means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're speaking in tongues, laying your hands and healing on people, doing these kinds of things. Um, it can mean that we just live a completely spiritly spiritually empowered spirit empowered life um, <laughs> that is um, at peace and at joy and has a complete fulfillment and understanding what it means to have God dwell within us yeah and and, and I wonder partly and you may not see this but I think our viewers should see this I'm going to switch over and you you should see uh, my phone screen pulled up from Acts 8 and, and I wonder if Part of it is because, you know, in Acts 8, you know, the Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, starting in just 26, um, you have this angel of the Lord said to Philip, but then like in other top places, and, um, oops, uh, I've misremembered this, but a lot of times we'll, we'll, um, it's more of the, the Paul passage, where the Paul had that the Holy Spirit prevented him from what, going into Mesopotamia, uh, that's mm -hmm. probably in the latter half of Acts which now I'm going to switch back and exit the screen. But I wonder if, if that's part of the issue because there were times when, especially the apostles, they had, I guess, directly heard voice from you know, the Spirit or from Jesus or from God. And I wonder if part of our, our worry is, well, you won't hear an actual voice like they did. So the Spirit, and we almost quench the Spirit, which is the Scriptures tells us not to do. But we almost then say, He doesn't work the way He did, and you can't really be moved by the Spirit because you don't hear an actual physical voice any longer. And some may disagree. Um, I'm one who doesn't think we hear an actual voice, but that doesn't mean the Spirit's not moving us or not guiding us or directing us. So when we use the word listen to the Spirit, at least from my perspective, and, and you can disagree, Josh, is, is if it's not an actual voice. It's not saying, okay, well, I'm going to sit here until I hear a voice tell me what to do. Well, you might be sitting for a little while. <laughs> so I don't know. What do you think? Well, and I think it depends on what you mean by a voice. Um, True. You know, because your conscience can be a voice. I believe, like, one of my most intense experiences with the Spirit, and I attribute it to the Spirit of God. Um, I was working, I'd been in the car business for you know, probably six or seven years at the time. And the guys that I worked with all knew I was a Christian. Um, they all knew that we went to church. They all knew that we didn't go to the golf tournament because it conflicted with of our worship services. 
um, they, they knew all those things about me and my family. And I remember laying, waking up one night, I woke up in a cold sweat and I'd had a dream. And in the dream, I was standing at the pearly gates with my family. And it was the, you know, the, the typical kind of scene that you always envision. Peter is there and, and he says, come on in. And as me and my family enter into heaven, he says, I want you to stop and wait. And I turned around. And when I turned around, all the people who I had worked with were in line behind me. And as they stand at the gates of heaven looking in and are one by one turned away, they turn around and walk off. The last person in line was my partner. And when Peter told him, you may not enter, um, I remember he looked at me and he said, you knew about this and you never told me. And he turned around and walked away. And I remember waking up in this, like I said, in a cold sweat because I realized, yeah, they may have known that I was a Christian, um, but I realized in that moment that I had not done a very good job of truly proclaiming um, why I was a Christian and what there is that awaits every one of us who would choose that path. Um, I was just one of the other guys that everybody always knew and just kind of did something different. Um, that that convicting spirit, I mean, that was a voice that I heard. It was my own voice. And I think the spirit uses our conscience and uses our voice at times, especially when we have trained our conscience uh, to be in tune with the, with the word of God. And that's the key. And the spirit doesn't always speak through our conscience, but when we mold and shape our conscience by the word of God, then the spirit will use that voice to, to guide and lead. Um, and I think it's an important distinction. And, 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 I, and I'll say, I've, ne- I've never had an experience like that. And for those like me who have never had an experience like that, it's easy for us to try to find r- logic behind it mm-hmm. or an explanation behind it. Oh, that was just because you were thinking about that before you went to sleep and the brain does this. And we try to sci- science-ify it. <laughs> The only time we really like science, you know, but, you know, but right. and we'll say, hey, but we're trying to explain it away because we don't understand it when maybe it's just simply, hey, this was somehow God was working providentially and sending me in, not saying, hey, it's not a vision or the dreams maybe that the apostles had, but it's using those to say, this is pricking at my heart. This is something that is convicting me. Riley here um, says, you know, for me, it's typically whenever a circumstance arises, it's tugging at my heart that leads me in the right way. Not always holds hands with what my head tells me. <laughs> and, and, right. and, and I like that. He's like, for those of us who don't understand something or for those of us who maybe have a lack of trust even and are maybe we're trying to stay inside our comfort circle. Man, when something tugs at our heart and it makes us feel uncomfortable, we either do one of two things, right? We try to explain it away or we allow it to convict us and action mm-hmm. follows. And uh, I imagine that dream well, was probably a, there, a sobering moment. Yeah. The last part of what he says there is really in line with what we talked about this morning, right? I mean, that, that meme that says, if your will never has any conflict with your God, 
then you're probably serving yourself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it doesn't always hold hands with what we want or what we desire, uh, but it does lead us in the right direction. And I think there's something about that urging and that nudging as well. Uh, you know, have you ever been in a, at a time or in a place and you thought about someone that you hadn't thought about in a very long time? Like just random name just comes into your head. What do you do with that? Yeah. I mean, do you do something with it? Or do you go, man, that's weird. I haven't thought about them in forever. I typically pull out my 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 <laughs> Facebook Messenger and be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> yeah. And, and you get no response. You know? <laughs> Maybe not. But you don't know you don't know how that message lands. You know? Yeah. Um yeah. A, a phone call, a Facebook message, just something that says, Hey, your name came across my mind today and it's probably nothing, but I just wanted to reach out and say, Hey, I was thinking about you today. Yeah. Um, I, I think those things come to us from a reason, especially when, and th this is the key, right? The key comes with how do we recognize the spirit's voice? How do you recognize your parents' voice? How do you recognize your friend's voice? Um, if you and uh, Catherine and Kaysen are out at a playground, how many children shout out mom, mom at the <laughs> playground? They all do because they all call yeah. their mother the same thing, mom. Well, when one kid shouts mom, how many moms get up and go over to that kid? Usually one because we know how to distinguish our children's voice. We know the cries. We know the hungry cry and the dirty cry and the sleepy cry and the get out of my face, I'm mad at you cry. <laughs> and as soon as we hear them, we know there are children and we know what they mean. Uh, and we do that because we have invested time in getting to know them. We have to invest that same time in getting to know God and his spirit as well so that we can recognize that voice in the same way. Um, and when you spend that time hearing God's word, um, investing yourself in who he is, um, you begin to be able to discern more readily what are the things that just kind of cross my mind and what are those moments where God is really pushing me to do something and asking me to do something. Yeah, definitely. And, and this time I have the right verse up. So we're going to switch over. And okay. um, this in Second Timothy 4, um, you know, Paul writes this, he says, for the time is coming when people will not endorse sound teaching, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And I was looking, you know, reading an article and they said, they're, they're going to stop listening to the spirit and kind of like, you know, what Riley said here, and they're going to just do what my head tells me and kind of what I want to do. And I'm going to find people, and I'm going to find the voices that tell me that I'm right, mm -hmm. even when I may not be. And, and I think that kind of leads us into, we've been down dancing around it, the, the how to listen. Because, you know, it's obviously important because the Spirit knows, you know, Spirit is truth, right? God is truth. God is love. He's the creator of the whole universe, and we are our knowledge, while seemingly great, is really nothing compared to God and to the Spirit. But then, I guess, 
more of, I guess, along the lines of some practical ways where we can just listen. I know um, when you and I were doing the show together, we talked about some spiritual disciplines and about meditation and about Mm -hmm. solitude. And I think for me, those are the first two things I think of is just finding time. For me, uh, um, I use the term slowing for one of those because mm-hmm. I, I don't stop. Uh, I have, you know, even right now, I'm fidgeting with something on my desk. It's hard <laughs> for me to sit still. Um, it's hard for me to not just be moving and or be involved or be talking to someone. And sometimes it, I just need to sit. And right, you know, I I, I think of Psalm 46, and and I'll bring this up here on our on our notes here if it lets me. On Psalm 46, so y'all can read along with me, in verse 10, where, you know, the psalmist says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. You know, for me, that's a frightening verse because I don't like to sit still. I don't want to be still and be silent. Uh, I'm, you know... I'm afraid of silence if if I'm if I'm mm-hmm. honest. And I think that might be because when I'm silent there's other things that might creep in. Right. And the awkwardness of that. Well, in, in the silence I <clears throat> recognize a lot about myself that needs to be changed. I recognize a lot about myself that falls short of expectation. Um, I don't I don't like to hear my own mind in the silence my mind is loud and clear, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's hard. I I think the disciplines we have not um, encouraged or embraced spiritual discipline nearly enough. Uh, And and I think you're right on that. I think that is a direct, there's, it has a direct relationship to the relationship we have with the Holy spirit because it is Mm -hmm. through prayer. It is through meditation. It is through, um, silence and solitude. It is through simplicity. Um, it, it, that's true with the corporate disciplines and with the private disciplines. Uh, they all put us in a place. They they cultivate that spirit within us um, so that God can go to work and God can begin to plant seeds. The disciplines are the way that we do that. Um, and but I think we have ignored a lot of those things. We recognize they're important but haven't placed nearly the emphasis on developing them that maybe we should have. Yeah. And, and, and I wonder if, if it's the, you know, look at some athletes, um, those who, who work hard and who go to the gym after and before practice, you ask the man who, who do more drills, who work on, you know, shooting assignments or whatever, they have that discipline. You look at the greats and you look at their habits and mm-hmm. you're going, what makes you, what makes some of these great, especially in like, let's say basketball, for example, what makes some of these guys so much better than others? Is it just raw talent? Sure. You, you know, somewhat. But then you have people who have raw talent who then are duds. And right. you go back and look at it, and it's because of work ethic. I forget who was talking. I was watching a video, and they were interviewing somebody. Some, I forget which basketball you know player and he said he got to the gym before a game and he said as he was getting ready he heard the ball bouncing and it was Kobe uh just going a hundred percent and he said I shot around for you know it was like an hour or two or whatever he goes and then I left and 
he was still going 100%. And he says he Williams. asked him. And by the way, Jay Williams put up 400 shots. Is that who it was? Workout. And Kobe's still working. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes, well, you know, well, how do you how do you go with that that hard? And Kobe said, what? Well, I know you were there. And I wanted you to know that I was going to work harder than you. <laughs> he said, yeah. It was after the next the game that night because they're there for yeah. a shoot-around. And after Kobe hangs 36 on him, he asked him what keeps him going. He said, I just want you to know, doesn't matter how hard you work, I will work harder. Um, <laughs> and, and I think that, that I love applies to Kobe is Chris Bosh. Like Chris Bosh talks about him after the NBA Finals, the Lakers had lost. The next day, they're getting ready for the Olympic national team. And the challenge was who will be the first to breakfast? And Chris Bosh thinks he's going to be the first one to breakfast. <laughs> and he's not the first one to breakfast. Kobe Bryant is not only the first one to breakfast, he shows up with ice on his knees and a full sweat. So not only did he beat him to breakfast, but he's already worked out. So it's just that discipline and drive. No matter what transpired yesterday, I will be better today. Yeah. Um, it's powerful. And, and, and I think that that's part of – and you know that discipline that it takes to then get to a point like you said where we've trained our conscience to when we sit down and we we are quiet or we meditate or we spend time in prayer to then hear the spirit work or hear the spirit move but if we're filling ourselves full of self and full of worldliness we're not going I think that's really a form of quenching the spirit if we want to get this right down to it. Then we cause then what do you think of automatically? Well, the things you are filling yourself with. You know, I, I know I'm in trouble whenever I dream about the T V show I've was been binge watching. You know, because then that means, oh, that's what I've you know, my brain <laughs> that's what my spirit is is dwelling on because I'm spending maybe a little too much time with this. And, and yeah. The hard part about your conscience, it, it's both a, the difficulty and the reward, right? Because when we talk about our conscience guiding something, um, everyone goes, well, you can't really follow your conscience because consciences can be seared. Consciences can be calloused. I can train myself to be okay with any number of sins that are present in my life. Mm-hmm. And so you can't just let your conscience be your guide. But that same argument we use against using our conscience as a connection to the Holy Spirit is the thing that actually can ensure that we are being connected to the Holy Spirit. Because in the same way I can train my conscience to be okay with sin, I can also train it, train it to despise sin in my own life. Um, in the same way that I can train my conscience to be callous to language or content or any other thing that is present, I can also continue to put myself before the will of God and train my conscience to see those things and say, oh, that should not be here. Let me move away from this and let me move in a different direction. But it requires us to be proactive, to be disciplined in doing the hard work when we're tired when we have other things to do we have other things that seem more important but being devoted 
to making sure that we are training our conscience to fall in line with the will of God. Um, and, and it takes a kind of devotion that we're often not um, not willing to invest. Emotion or devotion? What did I say? I meant devotion. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's part of this last part that we wanted to spend some time on. But ex- we don't want to invest. We don't want to devote time. A lot of it, and I was you know, talking to our teens um, uh, yesterday about God listening to our prayers and um, and the difference between hearing and listening and accepting because all of those things are important, and I think all of those things are different. And I said, why do you tune people out? Or why do you not? You said, or maybe you hear someone speaking, but you're not listening. You don't remember. I said, why? And so it's not important to us. Or... That was one of the reasons that you know they they mentioned, and I think part of listening to the spirit is when we're not devoted and we're not investing enough is because it's not as important as we think it is, and we don't accept the direction we're being pointed. And, you know, kind of going back again to Riley's statement, something's tugging at my heart and not holding hands with what my head tells me. I still have an option to listen to. The, where my heart's being pulled, listen to the Spirit saying, hey, mm-hmm. go this way. Or I could say, you know, I feel this tug this way, but I'm going to tug harder the, in the opposite direction because, by golly, I'm going to do what I want. and Because uh, that is more important than where I'm being pulled. Is that, is, I mean, is that a fair statement? Is that too judgmental? I don't, I mean... No, and I think the the point about why do we tune people out? Um, even if that person is important, even if what they have to say is important, we have deemed something else in the moment more important. Mm-hmm. And and so frequently, what is more important than anything else that's in front of me is what I want to do, where I want to go. And the scary part to me is how adept we are at taking what I want to do and where I want to go and assigning that to the voice of God Uh, and just saying, well, yeah, I know I've done this and this is what I want to do. So God has put this on my heart. So this is obviously what he wants me to do. And we have convinced ourselves that that is true. And so when we Mm -hmm. go and do those things, we've also convinced ourselves that we're doing God's will and God's calling when really all we're doing is just following our own will on our own way. Mm-hmm. That's not always, you know, a bad thing. It's okay to do things that we want to do, especially when they're good and positive and uplifting. But I think it's so important for us to be honest with ourselves and with our people when we believe we are following the call of the Spirit and when we're just doing something good that we want to do. Um, I see that in ministers all the time. Uh Anytime a minister leaves a place and goes to another church, they always say, well, the Lord is, the Spirit is calling me to go work in this other place. And it's ironic that the Spirit always calls ministers to go to a bigger church with more people and a higher salary and more benefits. Um, Look, it's okay for you to go that way. There is no problem with you going to serve the church in another fashion. But let's call it what it is, that most of the time the spirit calls me 
to go into places that are more challenging, requiring more sacrifice, that require mm -hmm. difficult decisions to make, because that is the path that we've been given. The following Christ is the path of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so the honesty with that is important, because not only is it, is it more fair to the people that are around us, I think it's a more fair treatment for ourselves of what's actually going on. Yeah. Um, so follow those things, do good things, um, but don't just assume because you have this thought in your mind that the Spirit of God has put it there. There might be another way God is calling you. What you want to do is good. Sometimes the Spirit of God calls you to do something better. And, yeah. and sometimes we choose the easier path. And the more rewarding path is the path of sacrifice in the long run. So, And, and I think, so you know, Sorry. Oh, no, no, I get that. And, you know, I was about to go in, the, in a similar direction with ministers and, and, and job changes. Because there are some times where maybe the Spirit is leading someone out of a bad situation into a better situation. Because mm -hmm. they said, hey, right. you, if you don't, if, if you know, it could be your Spirit saying, hey, if you don't get out now, uh, you'll you'll lose your work because you'll quit and I need you to be more effective over here. And that's fine. But I also want to hit on this one because this is one that I think applies to ministers but also those outside the ministry. And, and I know I've asked this question before. You know, uh, I just recently had a, a job change. I've you know, been here since May, so almost a year. But when, during the interview process, um, one of the questions I asked was because I had, you know, this offer and I had another non-offer offer, whatever you want to call that. <laughs> uh, there's a story behind that for another day. Um, but it was one of those questions where you say, man, if I end up getting, you know, two solid offers, how do I choose? Mm -hmm. You know, say someone says, hey, I have two job offers or I have multiple job offers. And then we, we almost... And I forget what logical fallacy it is, but we almost say, well, only one can be right. And I have to listen to the Spirit, and if I choose the wrong job, then I've not done the will of God. And sometimes, you know, I've asked myself this question, what if this is Satan trying to pull me away from where God wants me? Right. But then the flip side is, what if God's saying, I can use you in both, and I am giving you a choice, but I can make you effective anywhere. And, and I wonder, how do we discern the difference? Because I do think sometimes we're presented with opportunities because Satan wants to take us out of a situation and where we're being effective and we can be the most effective. But then there's other times where I think God's opened up two doors and saying, you choose. Yeah, and I think ultimately the call is to be faithful, to yeah. walk in the light in faithfulness to God. Um, so when I was first going into ministry, of course I was 35 years old at the time, and I was in a class getting ready to graduate. I had probably six jobs on the table. And I asked one of my professors, he was asking for prayers, and I said, I would like for you to just pray for me. Um, I've got a decision to make, and I just don't want to make 
the wrong decision. I don't know how to really uh, determine where God is really calling me to go and serve. And he looked at me and he said, Josh, I didn't realize that you were so arrogant. I was like, yikes. <laughs> uh, what do you mean, Dr. Harrison? And he said, how would you be so arrogant to think that you could make a choice to go and serve the kingdom of God? And God would say, nope, sorry, can't use you there. You made the wrong choice. I'm out. He said, choose a path where you and your family can faithfully serve the Lord and he will bless your ministry. And that opened up just kind of what you're saying. I think there are times where there is something specific God has in mind for his people. I think that's rare. Yeah. I've been in the habit of praying this when I have options on the table. My prayer is this, God, if there is a specific place in a specific way that you are calling me to go, make it clear and bold yeah. that I may not miss it. Um, and if not, may I serve you faithfully wherever we end up. Um, and that's, and that is my prayer that opens up myself to be able to see, Hey, maybe the other job goes away. I will realize that God is directing me in a certain way, possibly. Um, but either way, I'll know that if I make a decision in faithfulness and I can continue to serve faithfully, um, God's going to be present. He's going to bless that walk. Yeah. Something, and it may have been after I talked with you, but I had a similar prayer, you know, during this last drop search when, when I said, make it abundantly clear. Yeah, and and, and right. I even said, don't, don't, I said, don't, don't make me choose. You know, now, and, but see, that gets me. back, that, that, that gets back to the, to the arrogance thing about, again, the, the fear of I'm only, I can only be effective at one place. And, mm -hmm. but I think we have to, like you said, we have to be, we have to accept, and this can, again, not just with ministry, with people who have, I hate to say secular jobs, but, but jobs outside of, because really your job right. can also be ministry. Um, the, Depending on, I guess, you know, again, uh, if you work, you know, if you if you work at a desk and there's nobody else in the whole office because of, you know, those those type of jobs, I, I understand. You know, we get it. But there's still ways, you know, do everything, you know, in the name of Lord Jesus. You know, we're still supposed to, to do that kind of stuff. But just know that, hey, if, if I'm going to let my light shine, I'm going to be an example and I'm going to represent Christ well wherever I go, then there really is no wrong choice. Right. As long as it's, again, you're not doing anything immoral as part of that, you know. Right. I'll say as part of that profession. Well, that gets really gotcha. challenging. I don't know if you want to talk about this stuff that the Christians are facing over in the in Europe or not, but... Uh, you talk about really having to be reliant upon the Spirit yeah. when you're looking at a situation in front of you where, I mean, the consequences aren't just, you know, about a job or about something we do in life, but they have real life and death consequences. Yeah. And we've seen that in the Ukraine with our missionaries that are over there. We saw it recently China. in Afghanistan. We see it in China. And we many places in Africa face it every day. There's some places down in the deep South in Mexico where they literally face that, uh, that physical threat every day. 
and they put that stuff to work in real life and i i can't imagine being in that situation yeah and and, and i think part of that accepting direction in and in, in accepting a calling um you and i talked before the show about the the iran missionaries and uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think i think that's a perfect example and and um you know more about it than I do, but I think that's a perfect illustration for sometimes we've been called to do something uncomfortable and we shouldn't run from it. And, uh, if, if yeah. you want to share that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was that when the, the U S had pulled out of Afghanistan, the, uh, church leaders in Afghanistan received letters from the Taliban that said, we know who you are. We know where you live. We know what you're doing and we're coming for you. And I believe 99% stayed because they recognized the work they were doing and they did not want to abandon their Afghan brothers and sisters. And you and I were talking and I was, I said, I would love to say with 100% confidence that I would for sure stay. Um, but I'm getting ready to have a grandbaby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and I want to see that grandbaby grow up. Would I be willing to put that on the line? Um, in order to do that, in order to be able to be willing to put those kind of stakes down, you can't do that if you're not living life led by the Holy Spirit, because that's no. just not a choice that I can make on my own. Yeah. And, and it's one of those that we have to be at peace with. Doesn't mean that we can't mm-hmm. struggle with it. Doesn't mean that we have to then especially not doing it out of, I guess, begrudgingly. Is that the right word? Grudgingly? Yeah. You know, yeah. we can't, you know, they can't say, hey, I'm angry about this decision and I'm going to hold a grudge against God because I feel obligated to do it. If you feel, if you just, if you're just serving God because you have to, not because you want to, and you want to grow and you love him, then, you know, I'm reminded of, you know, the, the passages that, you know, when God said, hey, I don't want your sacrifices. I, I, I don't want what you're doing. In fact, they stink and they smell. You know, he, he wants us all. He wants us all in. And that's part of, again, listen to the Spirit. You know, being uncomfortable, but accepting it and moving forward in a positive, I guess, attitude. Oh, I think man. you see that in the prophets, right? Um Moses receives a call from God and <laughs> he gives excuses and he and he's looking for a way out. We've been yeah. talking about this on Wednesday nights here. Um, Gideon receives a call from God and he makes excuses, but he's looking for a reason to obey. Yeah. Um, Isaiah doesn't even receive a call. He just hears God say, who will I send? And even though he recognizes he's not worthy of the call, he says, I'm in. Let me go. And then you have Jonah, who completely runs away. And even when God catches up with him and saves his life, he still has that begrudging attitude. I mean, it's almost like he goes and he preaches a sermon that he hopes no one will respond to. And then he goes up on the mountain and he says, yep. I came to watch fireworks, but I knew you were a God of grace. And this is exactly what I knew was going to happen. This is why. And that's I why I ran away. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we see the way those things play out in the lives uh, of the prophets. So, 
Definitely. We're not alone, but man, it works so much better when we have the spirit of Isaiah that just says, I know I'm not worthy, but here I am. Send me. Yeah. And help me be okay with it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and I think that that's a good place to end is send me and, and help me to accept the direction and, and then move, you know, and then act on it. Well, hey, guys, we want to thank you so much for, for listening um, and joining us today on the Crossways podcast uh, where we talk about how we can walk in the way of the cross. Uh, we want to remind you of First uh, Peter chapter 2, uh, verse 21. And watch this. We're going to pull it up on the screen for you guys this time. I didn't even think to do that. So we're going to do that as we end and let you read this with us where it says, For to this, oh, that's Second Peter. Let's try First Peter. Or for, to, for to this you have called, for Christ also suffered, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. We want to thank the Ministry League for letting us be a part of their network of podcasts. Uh, check it out. We got, uh, I believe, a new update for your iOS users and possibly Android users coming up, and uh, if not today, in the next couple of days. Give a shout out to Tyler Brassfield for all the hard work he does on, on the apps. Um, we also want to tell you about uh, the Ministry League experience. Just go to ministryleague.com for more information. And um, hope to see you there. And until next time, have a good day.